Good morning again. Now, last night, uh, I didn't realize this was going to happen last night, that it would make its way into a, uh, my sermon illustration. But uh, last night, uh, we took our family to the fairgrounds for the lights, and uh, you know, we were like, yeah, this will be great. And uh, you know, there's three hours later. It wasn't actually three hours. Uh, it took us probably an hour. Uh, to, to get through and get into, you know, being able to go through the fairground. Um, but it was waiting. We had to wait and wait and wait and wait. Um, you know, and, and I realized that waiting is a part of life, right? We're, we're all waiting for something or, or someone, um, you know, but waiting is a part of life. And I, and I realized that uh, waiting can be hard for some. And I realized that some of us are better at waiting than others. This might be my kind of waiting. <sighs> right? Uh, waiting in line, whether it's uh, you know, waiting your turn. It can be difficult, right? Or maybe this, like <sighs> waiting for my food to arrive at my table, right? I, I found this one and I chuckled out loud. I, I just thought that that was very accurate. And when you got four children... Uh, You've seen this at least once, right? Uh, and then we have uh, this one. I found this, and I thought this was appropriate. We have some, some kids in our family that uh, would identify with this comic here, right? You got the turkey pointing at Santa saying, December, fat boy, this month is my holiday. <laughs> now hop in that sleigh and wait your turn, right? Um, we, you know, our kids are like, I mean, we're already on Christmas, and it's November 1st, right? Like, we go into the stores, and I've got all their ho- the, the Christmas holiday stuff. Uh, and so we've, I, I found this, and I thought it was very appropriate. Um, and, and, then, and then you've got uh, waiting like this, where you're waiting, keep looking at your watch, you're waiting, looking at your watch, you finally sit down, and you take a nap, right? Um, that, that's you. Yeah, yeah, right? So waiting looks differently from all sorts of different angles, but uh, waiting is hard, Um, or at least it can be. Uh, The season of Advent is one of waiting or anticipation. Advent, literally translated, uh, comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival, and so the Advent season then is a waiting or a, or a anticipating the arrival or the coming of someone or something. In this case, we know that that anticipation of the arrival is for Jesus. And so we're going to enter into a season over the next four weeks of Advent, a season of anticipation This week, we'll be focusing on hope. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for going before us this morning. Uh, We thank you for all the work you're already doing in the lives of your church, of of your people. We thank you for the time of communion and fellowship that we were able to have together as your bride, as your church, as your children. And Lord, as we, we transition now to the preaching of your word and, and uh, message, Lord, I pray that uh, you would continue to go before us and prepare us for that. 
Give us ears to hear and eyes to see you this morning. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes on you this season, uh, the real reason for the season, Lord, and uh, that we would find hope in our waiting. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we see in Genesis 3, the fall, right? We see the fall of Adam and Eve through the, the transgression where sin enters in. But we also see in that very same time, in the garden, God's first promise of a Savior. Do you understand that? That that was the very first promise that there was one coming, that there would be one coming, was in the garden. Adam and Eve hadn't been kicked out yet. They're still in his presence. They're still in the garden. And God makes a promise. He says, there will come a day. That's the first promise to mankind. Wasn't Israelites at that time. It was just mankind. All mankind. Right? It was just Adam and Eve at that point. And the promise was made to them and all of the children that would come throughout all of history. So the promise was made to mankind that there would be a Savior to come. And for about 4,000 years, depending on your interpretation of how old the earth is, <laughs> uh, but for about 4,000 years, mankind was waiting for the Savior to come. In those 4,000 years, we have record of just horrific things. We see how sin and evil separated man from God. We see the entire earth gets so evil that God's wrath is poured out in a, a global flood. We see the Israelites enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and all the way, and, and including we just recently finished a series in Judges where we saw Israel spiral for 400 some years in apostasy away from God. And, that, and it keeps going. You read the Old Testament and there's, there's just story after story of the Israelites and it's stuck in this sin and it doesn't stop there we struggle with sin too <laughs> we struggle with it too but for 4,000 years the Israelites the mankind at that point in time were waiting the promised Messiah they were waiting for the coming one that would save the world Israel waited and waited for Advent, the Advent of the promised Savior, the Messiah. If you're like me, uh, you have trouble waiting. You have trouble waiting for simple things, like we saw pictures of, let alone something like the Savior of the world. And I got to thinking, 4,000 years is a really long time to be waiting. How did they do it? You ever think that? Like, how were they able to wait for 4,000 years when I have struggle waiting an hour just to see Christmas lights? All right? You with me? Like, it's hard to wait, and yet Israel waited 4,000 years. How did they do it? Well, we know this side of history, because of what God has provided to us with his word, that God sent them prophets to remind them of the promise. All throughout history, he sent prophets to remind them of this promise, this coming one. He gave them signs for them to be looking for. 
See, God reminded the people of Israel through the years that there was one coming. He didn't just make the promise in the garden and let it sit there. He kept reminding them through the prophets that there was coming a day where he would send this promised Savior of the world. And this kind of, I think, gives the Israelites a sense of hope that God is going to do what he says. Week one is, is focusing on hope of, you know, his arrival. How do you define hope? We, we actually shared this at the table last night. What is hope? Most people, most of us, would probably uh, define hope as kind of a wishful thinking, something you're looking forward to, a hopefulness in something, right? In fact, Webster Dictionary defines hope in the noun form, as a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. In the verb form of hope, it's a wanting something to happen or wanting something to be the case. It's this wishfulness, right? That, that's kind of the, the English word for hope. But as I was studying and, and preparing for, for this series, uh, the Israelites had a completely different understanding of hope. It, it wasn't the way we define hope with this wishfulness, this, this feeling of a, uh, for a certain thing to happen. You know, we define hope kind of like, I hope I get good grades on my test. Children go, I hope the food's coming soon. I hope our turn's going to go as the cars are going this time. I hope we're going to make it in to, to the lights. See, we define hope in English as a a, uh, desire for something to happen, a wishfulness. But the Hebrew understanding of hope is slightly different. In fact, there's two Hebrew words used in Scripture for hope. I'd like to share those with you this morning. The first one being yachah, which means to wait for. The second one is kavah which is the expectation while waiting. Uh, the description that I, that I uh, understood is uh, kavah is, is kind of the idea of like you're pulling a rope and there's tension on that rope. And, and kavah is like the expectation that at some point that rope is going to snap. That's kavah, that anticipation. You know it's happening. You know it's going to happen. And kavah is that tension as that rope is being pulled that, that you know it's going to break. That's kavah. So the expectation while waiting. And you might go, okay, pastor, but I don't see hope anywhere. How, how does that translate to hope? Well, that's what I hope to unpack for you this morning. See, to the Hebrew... Hope was not wishful thinking. Hope was not optimism. Nor was it based on their circumstances. To the Hebrew, these words conveyed hope being based on a person, specifically God himself. We have uh, plenty of scripture, and, and we could be here till next week unpacking all sorts of different passages of scripture where these words are used 
I selected four for this morning, and now it, it's kind of bouncing around. These four are in the Psalms, so if you want to go to the Psalms you, and, and want to try to travel the Psalms with me, you can. I will have them up on the screen for you. But certainly, if you want to write them down for later, that would be a good idea. So the first one this morning is Psalm 71, verse 5, where the psalmist writes, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Some translations might uh, have the word translated slightly different there. In the English Standard Version, they translate, You are my hope. This is kava. Right? This is that, that expectation that that rope is going to snap. There's a trust that it will happen. Right? And, and so this, this word here is kava for my hope. And so the psalmist is writing, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. I know in who I hope. Right? There's, no, there's no like wishful thinking here. This is known hope. The next uh, psalm would be Psalm 31, verse 24, where the psalmist writes, Be strong and let, your, uh, and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Now, again, certain translations might translate that as hope, but in the English Standard Version here, it translates it as wait for the Lord. And this is the yakah Hebrew word here in the original language. And you gotta, gotta kind of phlegm that when you have the, the K and H together. So I'm doing my best. Nobody's sitting in the front row, so that we're, they're safe. <laughs> Yaha. It's, uh, it's that waiting, right? It's, it's the um, to wait on or to wait for. But uh, it's in the psalmist here, he says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. The waiting here, the Yahah is specifically for the person, the Lord. There's another one, Psalm 39, verse 7, where the psalmist writes, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. In this verse, we actually see both Hebrew words being used in this order. Kava and Yacha. So here we see the, the Hebrew word kava for wait, for who do I wait, right? And so the psalmist says, And now, O Lord, for what do I kava? Kava. What, for what do I wait, have tension in, in expecting something to happen and, and wait for that? My yachal is in you. My hope is in you. Which is interesting because in the previous psalm that we, we just read, yachal is translated as wait. Do you see how these Hebrew words mean wait and hope? There's an expectation and a hope, right? They go together. And the last one I'd like to share with you comes from Psalm 42, verse 11. Which might be a familiar verse. 
where the psalmist writes, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What a blessed psalm that is, right? The word hope here is that yachal. Yachal. That waiting. And remember that the literal translation for yachal is to wait for. And so they're literally saying waiting for God is the hope in which they have. Because the hope is in God himself. See, the Israelites were able to have this hope. They were able to find hope in the waiting because of who their hope was in. Not their circumstances, not, not what they hoped would happen, right? Not what they wished would happen. They had hope in their waiting because they were waiting on and hoping in God himself. And I, and I think this is important because the Israelites understood that God was real. They had personal interaction with God. How many times throughout the Old Testament did God show up in miraculous ways and do miraculous things in their midst, right? Uh, we have the pillar of fire by day and, or by night and the pillar of cloud by day, right? Those are miraculous ways in which God made himself known to the Israelites. And so the Israelites knew they could place their hope and trust in God because they knew God. There didn't need to be any wishful thinking. Going through a series with some, some men uh, doing some discipleship and a point was made that there's a difference between knowledge and belief. Okay? There's a difference between knowledge and belief. You can know the entire Bible, but do you believe it? Do you believe every word of it? Do you take all of it to heart? You can know, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son for all uh, to believe, right? That they would be saved. And you can know that, but do you believe it? And how do you know the difference? Well, our actions are based on our beliefs, our convictions. And so how you act will re reflect what you believe. Israelites knew God but as we just saw in Judges, not all of them believed in God. They struggled with that. But they knew God. And they were, knew that they could place their hope and trust in God. And I think we're living in a day today where a lot of Christians know God, but have trouble believing in what Scripture teaches about who he is. And I think a word for the church, the church, Big C Church, do you believe what Scripture teaches? Do you actually believe it? And if so, it ought to change your behavior. Not just what you know. It, it ought to change how we behave. Not that we need to change in order to believe, but our belief in what Scripture teaches changes us because our actions come from our beliefs.
So we are in the season of hope, in the season of waiting, which is what Advent is, the arrival, the coming. Uh, and it's, it's, it's looking at an event. You know, Israel was given prophecies all throughout the Old Testament of the coming Savior. And we're just going to focus on one this morning. Um, but the prophet Isaiah was given the word in, in Isaiah 7.14 that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Familiar verse, especially during Christmas time. But this was a promise, this was a prophet, a prophetic word from the Lord given through the prophet Isaiah to mankind, specifically Israel first, that God was saying, this is what's going, what to look for. This is how you know the promise is coming true, right? That the, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, we see the fulfillment of this very verse in Matthew 1, 22 to 23. That reads, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right? And so we see some hundreds of years earlier through the prophet of Isaiah this pro prophecy of the coming Messiah, the coming Savior of the world, that uh, the sign of what to look for, that he would be the one. And then we see in Matthew where Jesus left his throne on high to be humbled into being born as a baby. We see Matthew connecting those dots and saying, this fulfilled that prophecy. Now, what is, what's the big deal with that? Well, God spoke it hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, and it came true. This is that yachal and, and the kavah that the Israelites had. They, they knew that when God spoke, it would happen. It may not happen in their day. It may not happen in their time, but it would happen, and therefore they had hope in the waiting. God said it would happen. And it did. Israel was looking forward. They were, they were anticipating and they were waiting the advent of the Savior. But as they were waiting, they had hope. They, they, they knew it would happen. And Christmas is all about the fact that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born. That's the meaning of Christmas. See, Christmas is the celebration of the arrival, the advent, in this case, the birth of the Savior, Jesus. And unfortunately, there are many Jewish people and non-Jewish people today that reject Jesus as their Savior. But specifically, I wanted to focus on the Jewish people because they were given the prophecies. They were given the prophets, the, to, the signs to look for. And they happened. And they rejected that it happened. 
And for many Jewish people who have not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are still waiting for his first advent, for his first arrival, the Messiah. But Peter makes it very clear when he stands trial before the council in Acts 4.12. He makes it very clear, the connection, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one that the prophets have foretold. And he's standing before Jewish leaders, a fisherman with no like high education. And there's, they're threatening prison. They're threatening trial and condemnation. They tell him, you're not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus. You're not allowed to mention his name because you're stirring up all this, this fuss. And, and Peter goes through this, this, he basically preaches to, to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and all of the leaders, the Jewish leaders. And he gets to the end of this, this message and he says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That name is Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew Jesus. And here he is standing in front of the leaders of his day, boldly proclaiming that this Jesus is the one. We also see later in Peter's writing in his first letter where he gives us a slightly new understanding on this word hope. He calls it a living hope. But this, by this time, the writing is in Greek. So what Greek word does he use here for living hope? The Greek word is elpis which specifically means to anticipate with pleasure. Think about that. We have a living hope, a living anticipation with pleasure. As was read during our, our Advent lighting, 1 Peter 1.3, he says in his letter, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Elpis, a living elpis, a living anticipation with joy, right? Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's where our living hope comes from is the fact that Jesus, yes, he was born as a baby and he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And because of that, we now have this living hope available to all who would believe. And while we get to experience some of that hopefulness here and now, there's more to come. But guess what? We got to wait for it we got to wait for it. And can we wait with hopefulness, with pleasure, awaiting, anticipating that when that day comes, it's going to be joyous? What's interesting is that in this day in history, we have a blessing. 
we find ourselves in history being able to look back on God's word and see all the way from the very beginning of time in the garden, he makes a promise. And all the way through the Old Testament, he makes promise after promise after promise and signs of what to look for. And we see the fulfillment of those promises in Jesus. They come to fruition in the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our blessing. This side, in this day in history, we get to see what God promised, the fruition of that in the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ. That is a blessing to us in this day. Because we're not Jewish. We don't really understand Yakal and Yakava. And so we have to decide to place our hope in God and what he reveals in his word. See, Jesus makes promises too. In his earthly ministry, he made promises. One of them is John 14, 2 to 3, where he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. That room literally means mansion. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also church family he will come again he will return to call us home to be with him for all eternity and this is the living hope we have in Jesus until then we've been given a task as we anticipate his return just like the Israelites were given all of these prophecies for 4,000 years for his birth, the church has promises that he's coming back again. But while we wait in that hopefulness that it will come true, that it will happen as he says that it happens, he has given us a task. So while we wait, we have the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We also see in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Understand the language here. You will be, not you might be, not if you want to be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus is coming again. Jesus gave a revelation to John, the book of Revelation. And in 19, verse 11, we see, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus is called Faithful and True. So all the promises we have in the New Testament from Jesus will come true. 
So in this season of Advent, where we're anticipating, we can have hope in the same way that the Israelites did with an anticipation, knowing that he is faithful and true. What a blessed hope we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. It's not wishful thinking. Lord, this hope is not wishful thinking. Lord, just as you spoke in the beginning and it came true, Lord, you are faithful and true. Let us take what we know in our heads and move it into what we believe in our being, our hearts, our souls, at our deepest core. Replace the lies and the doubts that the enemy has maybe planted there, Lord, and help us to take what we know to be true and replace it in our hearts so that we become the people you've commissioned to go into the world, into the darkness as light and salt. And Lord, we hope, we have living hope that one day you are coming back again. And we wait for that day. In Jesus' name, amen.